Welcome to the Before and After Bariatric Surgery Podcast. This is the place where we talk to people who have had weight loss surgery and successfully kept the weight off. We learn what to expect before and after surgery. We uncover the tips and tricks that will make you a success. And now, here's your host, Dan Abling. Hey everybody, thank you for being here today. I'm Dan Abling, I'm your host, and this is the Before and After Bariatric Surgery Podcast. Today's our first episode, so thank you all very much for joining me. We've got an excellent guest on the show today, Michelle. And before I get to her, I want to give you a quick kind of rundown of what this show is all about. What we want to do here is teach people about the process of bariatric surgery, let people know what to expect both before and after bariatric surgery, and provide them with the tips and tricks to become a long-term success. How are we going to do this? We're going to do this by interviewing people who have gone through the process and come out the other end a success. Let's get to today's first interview. Michelle, thank you so much for being on the show today. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and also your weight at your heaviest and your weight today? Well, back in 2010, I weighed 427 pounds. I was 23 years old at the time and wore a size 32 clothing, which is completely unheard of. And I was unhappy. You know, I didn't like the way I looked. I was not comfortable in my own skin. And I just decided to look into some weight loss surgery because I had tried all the fad diets, everything that, you know, came out on the market, um, you know, everything that people were trying to sell you, I tried it and nothing worked. And basically I had no feeling of being full. I could sit and binge eat. I mean, I could eat a whole pizza on my own with like wings and breadsticks and a two liter bottle of soda. I could down it in one sitting on my own. And I would not get the sensation of being full until I was physically getting sick. Uh, My body was obviously rejecting the food. It was way too much, but I never got that full sensation. And I think that played a huge part in, you know, gaining all the weight because I never had that, you know, internal stop. So, I mean, that was kind of my realization moment when I had gone to the doctor, stepped on the scale at 427 and went, oh, something, something needs to change. Michelle, you started at 427 pounds, a size 32. Tell us what you weigh today. Um, I am currently 176. Um, and a size six, which, um, technically if you look at the BMI charts, I'm still considered overweight. However, I am full of muscle. And Mm -hmm. so my weight really doesn't correlate with my size. So technically I weigh a little less than that, but just with all the muscle, I still weigh a little heavier. Right. Michelle, take us back to when you first became interested in weight loss surgery. Tell us a little bit about that process. Well, I had gone to a bariatric surgeon just to get some information. I really wasn't sure which process, whether I wanted to go with the band, the lap band, or 
the bypass or the sleeve. Um, those were kind of the three big surgeries at the time. And I really just went to get information. And the doctor that I met with basically sat me down and said, if I had continued the lifestyle that I was leading, I would not live to see my 27th birthday, which was a huge kind of like punch in the stomach to me. And that's how I knew I needed to do something. But I was scared. You know, I was 23 years old at the time. I really was very unsure. Food was my comfort. Did I really want to give that up? I wasn't quite convinced. Mm -hmm. However, we sat there and we talked through, you know, the bypass, which reroutes your your um, insides. I'm sorry, I don't know the full yeah, story it on it. Um, yep. So it, you know, they reroute your intestines. And I wasn't really comfortable with that. You know, it's a huge surgery and it just wasn't for me. Same thing with the sleeve. I wasn't quite sure I wanted anything cut internally. Um, mm -hmm. So I chose the lap band basically because it was a safe way for me. And I'll be honest, at the time, I was not 100% convinced. And I thought to myself, well, if I don't like it, I can always have it taken out. And that to me was like my safety and my security that I always had an out which thankfully I never went that direction and everything went smoothly. But that's kind of how I chose the lap band. And now kind of looking back at it, for me anyway, I go through periods where I will sometimes slip up, if you will, you know, mm -hmm. make some mistakes and make poor food choices and things like that. But with the lap band, for me, you can always get a lap band fill. And you can always mm -hmm. tighten and, you know, it's almost like a fresh start. Whereas with the other surgeries, if you make these mistakes, there's really no way to start over without another surgery. Mm -hmm. So kind of looking back, I really feel for me that I made the right decision just based on my personality and my lifestyle. Yeah, certainly. Before you actually went to visit your bariatric surgery, and I'm assuming that the surgeon that you talked to, you eventually had surgery with, how'd you go about choosing a surgeon? That can be kind of a, an overwhelming and slightly daunting task for many of us. Right. Um, well, I did what everybody does. I did a Google search <laughs> and I found that at the time there were really only four or five bariatric surgeons within my area. And so I just sat down one day and started calling all of them and some of them had two to three year waiting lists just to make a consultation. Wow. So, you know, I real I wrote them off thinking, okay, they have this long waiting list. They must be phenomenal. But at the same time, I wasn't ready to wait that, you mm -hmm. know, that long just to get a consult, let alone to get, you know, a schedule for a, you know, a scheduled date. So I ended up going between two different surgeons. I went and met with both of them and I really fell in love with my surgeon. Very personable. Um, he sat down, he took the time to talk to me. I wasn't just another patient to him. I was somebody that was there for help and he was going to help me. Whereas the other surgeon that I met with, I was more just like another number on his list. Mm -hmm. So it really boiled down to me and my comfort zone. 
You know, I went, I listened to the talks, you know, the monthly talks that they give just to explain a little bit about them. The support group talks or the, the seminars? Talks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I went to a few support groups. I did go to one seminar and I just inundated myself with all of this information about it. And then once I, you know, narrowed it down to those two surgeons, um, I just made appointments with both and chose my doctor from there. Now, my doctor is unfortunately an hour away each way for me. So in order for me to get down there, it's about, you know, a 200 mile round trip for me to get to see him. Um, But he's worth it. Do you still get your fills from him? I do. Yeah. I do. Um, In the beginning, I was getting fills every, you know, three months or so. But now it's about every seven. Okay. Um, I am in the perfect restriction right now. Um, I am in my green zone. So, Michelle, one of the concerns and questions that we get a lot is related to the insurance process. And frankly, it's confusing for a lot of us. Was your procedure covered by insurance? And if so, can you kind of go through that process for us at all? Um, Yep. My insurance covered uh, my surgery 100%. I just had, I believe it was a $25 copay for the hospital stay. However, it was very specific and it required me to do certain things in a certain order um, in order for them to cover it. So I had to do... um, for six months, I had to do monthly nutritional counseling, and it could only be within a certain time frame, so I had to make sure I scheduled my appointments appropriately. So I had to do six months of nutritional counseling. I had to do a psychiatric evaluation, and I had to attend three support group meetings. And once I did that, I had to submit all of my proof, my evidence to the Mm -hmm. insurance company and waited for their approval. Now, I was told by my doctor that they normally do not approve on the first round, and it normally Mm -hmm. takes two or three times for them to finally approve it. However, I got very lucky, and my insurance approved the surgery on the first round for me. But from start to finish, it was about a nine-month process for me to have the surgery from the minute I walked in and had my first consultation until I had the surgery. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a, a short journey exactly. to the point that you're on, on the table. And then even after that, it's certainly a journey in itself after the procedure. And, and we'll get into that. Right. And it was very you frustrating, um, you know, to have to wait those nine months. But at oh, the yeah. same time, it definitely, it gave me more knowledge. You know, I would not have initiated a nutrition consult on my own had it not been for insurance requiring it. But from those nutritional counseling and those other support groups, I learned a lot from it. So while it was frustrating to have to do those and to, you know, submit all the information, it benefited me big time. Let's move forward to the day of your surgery. Can you tell us about that experience? (laughs) Yes, I remember it like it was yesterday. Like I said, my doctor's office is about an hour away. So my parents had taken me down. And as we were driving, the car was silent. You know, everybody was nervous. I was petrified, but excited all at the same time. I definitely had that excitement factor. I never had surgery before, so this was the first for me. 
and I'll never forget, we got about five minutes away from the hospital and we're going through this little town. And my dad looks at me and he goes, you know, Michelle, we could always just forget about this and go get breakfast at McDonald's. And at the time, it, you know, it cleared the air and we all laughed. And I said, no, we're going to do it. And, you know, it was a little tension reliever. But looking back now, I'm like, oh, I'm really glad that I wasn't tempted in that way. Um, yeah. Because McDonald's and fast food and things like that, they were my comfort. And they were kind of my go-to up until that point. But we did not stop at McDonald's. We kept going and drove right past the fast food restaurant to the hospital. And everything went like clockwork. I had remembered from one of my support groups that they would catheterize you um, mm -hmm. after the surgery. And in order to get the catheter out, you needed to ask to get up to walk. And the more that you kind of persist with being up and walking, the sooner they would take the catheter out and let you up. So I went into surgery. Apparently, everything went smoothly. And I remember waking up in the, I guess, kind of like that in-between room, like the recovery room, um, before they took me back down to my hospital room. And I remember calling the waitress, or the waitress, the um, the, nurse the nurse over and saying, hey, I, I want to get up and walk. And she looked at me and said, you just had surgery. You know, you are in the recovery room. You're not getting up yet. And fortunately, they did not catheterize me. So for whatever reason, they chose not to. But I was persistent about getting up and walking. And so the minute they took me to my room, I was up and walking. And to this day, my doctor still tells me that I was one of his only patients that he's ever seen put that many laps around the hallways in the middle of the night <laughs> just because I could not lay still anymore. The gas pain was very rough for me, mm -hmm. um, especially in my shoulder blades. So the only thing that was helpful was the getting up and the walking. And so that was just, that was kind of my first day. I spent the whole night, like I said, just walking around the recovery room floor. And mm -hmm. I went home the next day. You know, I had surgery on Thursday went home on Friday. I was back to work on Monday. Wow. And that's, again, very unheard of, but I was determined to get back to my lifestyle. And, you know, I wasn't lifting anything heavy and I wasn't moving very quickly at work, um, but I was there and I was ready to get on with my life. Yeah. Michelle, so after surgery, you obviously got back to, I think, your day-to-day your -day routine really quickly, yeah. amazingly quickly. What was the pain like? Was it there three, four days after surgery? Was it noticeable? Um, the day that I went home, so the day after surgery, it was pretty intense. I was taking the painkillers every couple of hours as prescribed. But then two days after surgery, it kind of just became a dull pain and something that I could persevere with and was able to put up with. The worst part of the whole thing was the gas pains, and that was mm -hmm. alleviated by walking and by taking, you know, some gas X, you know, mm -hmm. the chewables. I do remember after the surgery, I was getting a lot of, like, congestion and phlegm 
every time Mm -hmm. I would like take a deep breath, I would almost like have to cough something up. Um, And that was painful, very painful to cough. Fortunately, my hospital that I had the surgery at gave us or gave me a, um, a teddy bear at, you know, as we were leaving. And it's this very hard bear that, um, they said every time I had to cough to kind of squeeze it against my stomach and my pore area and mm-hmm. cough and that pressure from the bear would help. And that bear went everywhere with me for about the first <laughs> week. Um, I carried my teddy bear to and from work just because that holding something firm against the pore area when I did have to cough was very helpful. But I was off of the painkillers within two days and just on like regular Tylenol just to try and, you know, calm any kind of like dull pain that I might have had. Mm-hmm. And that brings up another kind of good point. Did you, because you're walking around with a teddy bear, did you tell your coworkers, did you tell friends that you were having the surgery? I did. I was very, very open about it. And I had some people that judged me for it. I'll be very honest. And honestly, it was my decision and I was going to tell them about it. That way they could support me if they chose Mm -hmm. to. And if they didn't support me, then I kind of had to, you know, part ways. And I know that sounds terrible, you know, to say that I had to kind of disengage myself from certain people. But this was my life now. You know, it wasn't just one little thing that I was changing and the rest of me would be the same. Because since my surgery, my life has changed dramatically. It has. So I have told everybody, you know, people ask, how did you do it? The first thing I say is, well, I had the lap band put in that helps me control my eating. But I also work out every day and I also do these things because unfortunately, Our society has this stigma where, you know, you say you had weight loss surgery and instantly people say, oh, well, you took the easy way out. And let Mm -hmm. me tell you, it is not (laughs) the easy way out. I work very hard to have the goals and the success that I've had. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that first year and how your life from a an exercise and diet standpoint has changed because, you know, like you said, people do think that I'm just going to have weight loss surgery and I'm going to lose all this weight. And truly, that's not typically the case. What, what have you implemented to ensure that you, lo- you lose and continue to lose the weight that you wanted to? Right. Well, I mean, after the surgery, I lost probably about 20 pounds within the first month and a half. And that was with me really not doing anything. I had not been cleared to exercise at that point. So the only real physical movement I was getting was going from my car or, you know, walking in or out of work. Um, So I was not physical at all. Prior to the surgery, I was not active whatsoever. I could not walk 200 feet without getting out of breath. So this was, you know, a brand new lifestyle for me. So once I was cleared to work out about six weeks after, after the surgery was right around the time where my weight started plateauing. It basically (laughs) was my body's way of saying, okay, you lost this weight, but now you need to work for it. And I started walking and 
And that kind of led to more and more distance. So every day I would walk, you know, to the mailbox or to, you know, the end of the road and back. And so each day I would add to that, but I still was not, you know, extremely physical, but it was more than I had been doing prior. You know, that was the year that I got a gym membership and Mm -hmm. I was very self-conscious I did not go very often, but when I did go, I would kind of hide in the back and do little things and kind of sneak out. But that first year, just from walking and just from, you know, doing little things that I had not been doing prior and as well, you know, with the eating and the nutrition that had now changed, I lost about 100 pounds in the first year. And I had a friend come up to me and say, okay, how are we going to celebrate 100 pounds? It's huge. You know, you were 427. You're around 300 now. You know, what are we going to do to celebrate? And prior to surgery, my celebration would have been, oh, well, let's go out to a restaurant or let's celebrate somehow with food. And now my lifestyle, you know, does not revolve around celebrating with food. So I thought about that long and hard, like, how am I going to celebrate the first 100 pounds gone? And I said, I wanted to run a 5K race in Disney World. Um, I've always been a huge Disney fan. And so why not give myself a physical challenge that would celebrate my weight loss, but it's also in my favorite place. So... That was my goal, and I did it. I went and I ran. It was 3.1 miles through Epcot, and I finished that race after training for just a little bit. I hadn't really been running. It was more like run a little bit, walk, run a little bit, and walk, but I was able to finish it, and right when I finished, I swore I would never run again. I said that was a one and done, (laughs) and that was it. You know, I was sore for days afterwards. I was exhausted. I was bright red as a tomato, but I had done it, and I was really proud of myself. I got my little medal, and I wore it around the parks for about a week and a half. However, the next day, I had woken up, and I had watched all these runners doing a half a marathon. And I remember walking out of my hotel and standing right along the street and seeing thousands of people running by and you know they're smiling and they're happy and they're running 13.1 miles and the day prior I had run three and I was so excited and I must have stood there for over an hour just cheering these people on and seeing how much fun they have I left there and I said that's my goal I want to run 13 miles And, you know, my legs are going, are you crazy? You could barely do three yesterday. But, you know, my mind was like, I want to do that. That's my next goal. And that kind of spiraled. And about six months later, I had run my first half marathon, also in Disney World. And I had gotten addicted very quickly. My weight was dropping, you know, all this exercise. Here I am now running four days a week, something I had never been doing before. So I started this crazy exercise routine of running and not really lifting very much at the time, but just doing a few little things to kind of cross train with my body a little bit. So we're about a year and a half out. I started running half marathons and in a year's time, so about two and a half years after surgery, I had become so addicted to running 
I had run 38 half marathons in that time period. So I tell everyone, I say, I had a food addiction prior to the surgery, and I kind of took that addiction and put it towards exercise. So it's a better alternative. So I had run, like I said, 38 half marathons, and I was ready for a new challenge. I had watched people and I cheered people on for a full marathon. And the same effect happened as it did when I was cheering people on for the half marathon. I saw how much fun they were having. You know, I wanted that thrill. I wanted that accomplishment. And so I decided to start running full marathons. And I had run, I believe it's been five full marathons. I actually have one coming up next week as well that I will be running hopefully for my sixth one. So that's been really cool to be able to say that I've gone in four years not being able to walk to the end of my driveway without getting out of breath to running 26.2 miles. So that's been a huge accomplishment. Also, I had been involved in longer distance running as well and actually completed my first ultra marathon back in October of this year where I ran 50 miles consecutively through the mountains of St. Louis, Missouri. And it was, I believe, 14 hours it took from start to finish to run the 50 miles, but it was the biggest thrill. That was a huge accomplishment for me. So Michelle, yeah, your transformation is, is amazing. And your marathons, your half marathons, 5Ks, etc. Inspiring, frankly. And Thank you. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about your current routine right. as far as exercise and diet goes. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. Um, about eight months or so ago, I had gone backwards. Like I had mentioned when we first started talking, you know, I go through like ups and downs with my weight. And about eight months ago, I had gained probably about 15 pounds. My lap band was completely open. I had had um, to have the saline all taken out and I gained a lot of weight. I was very upset. I was very depressed. I knew I needed to do something. And like I said, I have a gym membership that I would rarely use just because I was so self-conscious about it. At that point, I was still at about the 200-pound mark, which was a huge weight loss considering I started at 427, but 200 pounds for me was still big. So I kind of stepped out of my comfort zone a little bit about six or seven months ago and started going to the gym. And I wanted to try something new. I wanted to kind of take a little bit of a break from running and switch things up a little bit. And I went into a Zumba class. And again, totally different from running. I feared it would be a kind of a great shock to my body to try and help boost this weight loss. And I was intimidated. There were probably like 50 people in this class. And I hid in the back corner and just wanted to leave. But I pushed through. I'm not much, I'm not one that's going to quit something. So I pushed through and I kept coming back and I liked it. You know, I really, um, I, I got into the routines, you know, I was following along. It was, it was good for me. So I started going to these Zuma classes three days a week and 
you know, I started getting my confidence. You know, I started talking to people. I started meeting like-minded people who were there for fitness and who really wanted to improve their bodies and their mindsets. And with that, the weight started dropping. And I actually connected with a, a group of great women who, you know, have pretty much become my biggest supporters these past six months or so. And they've really kind of helped me get through this little plateau that I've been on. So I've been doing in the past six months, a lot of Zumba. I've also started lifting um, with a really good friend of mine. You know, she introduced me to, you know, lifting with heavy weights, trying to get that muscle definition. Because now that I'm at a lower weight, I'm not really, you know, dropping as quickly as I want to. So I'm focusing not so much on the scale right now, but I'm focusing on body image, you know, toning up and slimming down. And so my friend Gina actually taught me how to, how to do this with weights. So that's been really neat these past six months to see my transformation that even though in six months, I've only really dropped like 10 or 12 pounds, I've dropped two dress sizes which wow. is dramatic. Um, yeah, a lot of toning. I also have become a certified group fitness instructor. I teach the new group fitness of uh, Boqua. And it's a very new, very new group fitness class that's here in the United States. It's very big over in the UK and in Australia, but it's brand new here in the US and it's kind of moving your body to the form of letters and numbers. Hmm. So it's really neat group fitness, something totally out of my comfort zone. And the fact that, you know, six months ago, I barely had the confidence to walk in and participate in a group fitness class, you know, in a Zumba class, and I hid in the back, and now here I am as an instructor up in the front working out and leading Teaching the class. class. Absolutely. That is something that, you know, even six months ago I could have never seen myself doing, let alone four years ago. So while I've had huge, you know, drops in weight over the past four years, I think my biggest transformation has been these past six months where I'm kind of tying everything up and, you know, as I'm getting closer to my goal and kind of being, I guess you can say, quote unquote, finished, I'm really just starting because I lost a lot of my life being overweight and being morbidly obese. And so now it's time to restart everything. And live your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, your story is truly amazing. I'm sitting here listening to it and I took a few notes while you were talking there, mm -hmm. and one question came up. You mentioned that you had the saline from your band removed. Right. Is it still removed completely? No, I actually had some put back um, right in November, right when I first started taking the group fitness classes again. I had some put back. I was having some reflux issues okay. initially. And out of the blue, all of a sudden, I just started getting really bad acid reflux in the evenings, and we couldn't really figure out why. I did not have a slip. You know, there was nothing really band-related, so they just kind of took the saline out just to kind of give my band a break. 
And they put it back in about a month later. But like I said, in that month's time, I gained 15 pounds, mm-hmm. which kind of goes to show that I did revert back to old habits without my band. Yeah. So while, you know, I work hard every day and I, you know, I do the exercise and I do the proper and healthy eating, I still do need my band to kind of keep me in check. Mm-hmm. So... You are extremely, I think, self-motivated in general as a person going from, you know, your first 5K to now teaching, is it Boqua? Boqua. Mm-hmm. Boqua. Now teaching your own fitness class. And I, th- I think long-term, you're just going to continue that trend. But some of our listeners are going to say, I hate the gym. Yeah. I hate running. I did too. You know, I'm busy, <laughs> right. that sort of thing. What kind of advice to maybe help those people stay accountable, even when they're sore, to get up and go back into the gym. How do you stay accountable, and what kind of advice could you give to people that are maybe going through weight loss surgery now or considering it? Right. Well, that's a great question because, like I said, I hated the gym prior to this. You know, prior to actually seeing a lot of results, I would not go. I would do a lot of things at home, kind of in the comforts of my own home, But again, that comes with that accountability piece. So having, you know, having somebody that can kind of motivate you when you're lacking that self-motivation. So finding like a buddy to check in with you and say, hey, did you work out today? I know I did that for a little while. Every day I would have a friend text me and say, hey, make sure that you're going to the gym today or, you know, join a Facebook group for people that are you know, needing an extra push and an extra little bit of support. Because until you can self, you know, intrinsically motivate yourself, you're going to need support and you're going to need somebody there because, you know, even though now I'm pretty much self-motivated and can get myself out there, there are days I still need somebody to say, you know, Michelle, you need, you need to do it. Just get out there and do it. I also like to have a before picture of mine Mm -hmm. and I have it hanging up along with a pair of my size 32 pants that I still have in my bedroom um, for those days where, you know, I might not feel like going to the gym or, you know, I feel like, you know, sitting and watching a movie instead of, you know, getting outside and going for a run. But having that visual is also extremely helpful. I also do some journaling. And I Mm -hmm. kind of write down, you know, everything that's going on, you know, good and the bad. I try and put a positive spin, you know, on things, you know, that way I can look back if I'm having a tough day or if I'm having that trouble getting motivated, you know, opening it up and looking back to see, okay, well, this worked for me last time. Let's, let's do this again. So some of those things, you know, are kind of what got me, what got me going Mm -hmm. and what has helped me through. What what kind of tips would you offer for someone that's on the fence about weight loss surgery? A lot of people do a lot of research, just like you, were a little bit scared, intimidated, have never been under the knife before. What would you tell someone that's considering it? I would just say do as much research as possible. First and foremost, know that it is not an easy fix. You are going to go into that surgery one weight. And you're going to come out of that surgery the same weight. 
you know, it's not going to, you know, be a huge change in that aspect initially. You know, you have to work for it. But if you are motivated enough and if you want it bad badly enough, then you're going to do everything that you can to be successful. So that would mean, you know, making sure that you pre-plan your food if you're going to an event where you know that there's going to be food there that you can't eat, you know, taking mm-hmm. your own food along with you, measuring everything. I count calories and I have an app on my phone that I use every day religiously to, you know, track my food, track my exercise, make sure that I'm eating enough because that's one really big issue that I find, you know, I talk to a few people that I connect through Facebook with and, you know, they message me saying, hey, you know, I'm doing this and I'm exercising, but I'm not losing weight or I'm even gaining weight, you know, what's going on. And when we sit down and we look at their food, you know, they're eating 300 calories a day and that's not enough, you know, so... Kind of getting that mindset that you need to eat, but you need to eat balance and you need to eat the right amount, you know, that's all plays into this, even though you have the lap band. It's not a diet, it's a lifestyle, but you have, mm-hmm. you can't starve your body. And I think that's a big thing that some people that have the lap band have difficulty with, thinking that, oh, well, my band's not letting me eat, so I'm going to eat 300 calories today, and I can't figure out why I'm not losing weight. And, you know, it's turned into like a cycle. But once you train your brain to kind of see that, okay, you need certain foods, you know, you need to work on your getting in enough protein, you need to get in the vegetables and things like that. And once you find that equation, it's very smooth. Very cool. I love that quote, by the way. It's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. Yeah, and that, that's very, very true with weight loss surgery. And it took me a long time to realize that, too. I mean, had we mm-hmm. talked even a year or two ago, I don't know that I would have been able to say that. So I'm still learning. I mean, even though I'm four years out and 200 plus pounds gone, I'm still learning on a daily basis. Michelle, before we wrap up, I don't know if you've mentioned your doctor's name. Do you want to give a shout out to him in case anybody's listening in your area? Sure. Um, I actually went through um, Iqbal and Khan Surgical Associates in Vineland, New Jersey. And uh, Dr. Huck was the one who performed the actual surgery. And since then, he has currently left the practice. However, Dr. Iqbal has been doing my fills and he is absolutely wonderful. Michelle, I think all of our listeners can learn from your experience. You've given us some great information, tips, tricks, what we can expect with weight loss surgery. Thank you so much for your time today. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Before and After Bariatric Surgery Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or Stitcher Radio. As always, check out the before and after photos from today's interview on obesitycoverage.com. If you'd like to be interviewed for an upcoming podcast, email us at info at obesitycoverage.com. Remember, it's never too late to get healthy.